Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico and joining me back alongside this week of course is Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning Cindy. Good morning Ted. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Welcome back Cindy. It's been uh, a long couple of weeks without you. Uh, we actually uh, missed one of the shows but uh, last week uh, I uh, went it alone and it was uh, I had a great time, had some great guests, but uh, certainly missed uh, having you uh, there alongside with me. So welcome back. Thank you. Um, Thank you, dear. All right. So let me just re- – yeah, always good to have my good, my good friend uh, co-hosting with me here. Um, let me just remind everybody, Cindy, real quick, and then we'll bring out our, our guest because I know she's waiting for us. Um, we're live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, best way to find us, obviously, is – Go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type women of golf uh, up in the search key and that will take you right to the main page. Uh, and you can listen live uh, alongside us every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, for some reason, if you can't join us live, just go to that link and scroll down to the on-demand section and all of the shows, including today's show, will be there in their entirety in the recorded version. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and now TuneIn.com as well. And again, just type in women of golf. Uh, and you can find us there. Uh, update in all uh, forms of social media, so you can find us uh, literally all over the web. Uh, so hope you'll tune in uh, each and every Tuesday morning with us uh, as we uh, talk uh, ladies' golf, if you will, here on the Women of Golf Show. Um, also, if you want to reach out to either Cindy or I, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. Mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So, Cindy, we're, we're going to have a, a really interesting show this morning. I know you're uh, traveling right now, uh, heading out uh, to uh, start your day, but um, we're going to be speaking with a a great young lady here. She just won this past weekend's Symmetra Tour event, the Forsyth Classic. Her name is uh, Easy Gobsa, and uh, she's from Munich, Germany. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a second. A little bit later on in the show, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a typical playing lesson that Cindy might have with some of her junior uh, golfers out there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in the second half. But let me, Cindy, let me just tell you a little bit about our guest this morning, and then uh, we'll bring her on and, and start the conversation here this morning on the Women of Golf. Uh, as I mentioned, her name is uh, Easy Gobsa, uh, is how you pronounce it, and she captured her first Symmetra Tour win this past Sunday on a fourth hole of a sudden death playoff with Jillian Hollis, uh, who was actually a guest on the show last week, um, who was uh, making her first uh, career Symmetra Tour start this week. Uh, Each player finished a 13 under par to force the extra golf with, of course, Gobsa eventually prevailing. Uh, She's also a former two-time winner on the Ladies European Tour uh, LET uh, Access Series. Uh, In 2015, Gobsa finished the 
uh, third in the order of merit to earn her LAT card for 2016. And her win, win Cindy, which is very impressive, came back-to-back weeks, uh, first at the PGA Homestead Ladies Open and the, the Drawback Ladies Open. And with her win this past Sunday, uh, Gopsa climbed 10 spots uh, in the Volvic uh, race for the card, all the way to number five. And uh, she's getting ready this week to compete in Harris, Michigan at the Island Resort Championship this uh, weekend, June 22nd to 24. So let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Cindy Easy Gopsa. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing Boy, very well. Super. Thank you. E- Easy, let me just... Uh, jump back a little bit before we talk about this past weekend. I'll just start things off, Sydney, and then and you can jump in. Um, obviously, you've, you've played on the, uh, the LET uh, Access Series or the Ladies European Tour uh, and actually finished third on, the, on their order of merit. Um, and then you incredibly won back-to-back uh, events. How did you – I mean, yeah. that, that takes a lot. To, to win a tournament is one thing, but then to come right out the very next week and do it again the following week – uh, takes a lot of concentration because you're still kind of riding that high the first week. Uh, how did you sort of keep yourself settled down and be able to go out and do it again? Um, for me, the the second week, there were like, I think, three or four players and lead after nine holes. And so we don't really have uh, leaderboards out at the course. So you you have no idea where you're standing, if you're leading the tournament or not. So all you can do is focus on your game and um, try your best. And, I mean, I, I walked up 18 and um, everyone was, was around the green. And um, I, I had no idea that I actually had to to par my last hole to win the tournament. And wow. I was in the bunker and made a, um, I think it was like an eight, nine foot, put a uh, putt for, for par and I had no idea until the girls started out running and um, throwing water water on me. I had no clue I was actually winning the tournament. <laughs> wow. 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 Now yeah. that's that's what you call, Cindy, that's what you call a pressure putt. Um, not knowing where you are in the tournament to come up to the final hole like that. Um, Cindy, that, that's got to be pressure, right? Well, I think it's mainly focusing on the task at hand and having no idea what the outcome's going to be. So that's great. Yeah, I I was so happy so, like to win the week before that like it didn't really like I wasn't trying like to force a win again. So I think that helped helped me on that part a lot. For sure. So let's fast forward to this past weekend. Uh, easy, and uh, you actually had your first win on the Symmetra Tour um, with the uh, Forsyth Classic. So what was your mindset coming into this tournament here? How did you prepare yourself mentally uh, for the task at hand? Um, to Decatur before, so I asked players how the course is and how, how it plays, and they all said, oh, it's an it's a easy scoreable course and I got there and they had a lot of rain so it played a little bit longer than they used to the last years and I didn't see it like why it would be scoring that low and so I did my uh, like all my preparation and um, 
worked on my my irons and stuff like that and went out and didn't have really expectation for scoring. And I mean, and the first day I shot four under, and I will I checked the leaderboard and the cut was at minus two, so it's like I was super surprised that it was so low. And um, yeah, I mean, and then the um, second day I just. I mean, I I shot 65 and had had a really good run on the back nine, and um, yeah, I I eagled, I tripped in for eagle on 11 and made the another birdies out there. So um, yeah, I mean, my my expectations wow. weren't really high for it. So um, yeah, I it just. I tried to to do the stuff I worked on the couple of weeks before, and try to to maintain that on the course, and it worked. Well, obviously, what yes. What are you congr- currently working um, I worked a lot of on my pitching, because I struggled a lot with uh, distance control on my pitching and my shorter irons. So I, I worked a lot on that, and then also to keep my arm closer, my right arm closer together at the top, to to get a little bit more control over my club face. And uh, yeah, that's the two two things I, I worked on. That's awesome. Wow. Now, did you play college golf? I didn't go. I, I go to college. I went straight after high school to Lake European Q School, and I made the deals deal with my parents if I make the first time Q school I will um, turn professional and I, I shot five under in the last round to make it by one so wow, wow. Get, there you go <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to school don't make me go <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh that's awesome um, wow well obviously yeah, obviously, congratulations on the win, uh, another win, um, and and you. you know, would you would you agree, EC, that that you know, having a lot of determination and a lot of um, self confidence has helped you uh, throughout your professional career so far. I think that obviously, you know, there's always going to be things you're going to have to work on, uh, as you just mentioned, your pitching uh, being one of them. But you obviously have developed a lot of self-confidence in your game that gives you um, some momentum when you go out and play the course. You know what to do. You know how to prepare properly and, and execute the shots you need to, to, to shoot. Um, would you say that that level of confidence is something that um, has helped you so far in your career? I mean, of course. I mean, I, I started my first two years on European tour. I made it to Q school every every time but once I got out there you all like you, you start playing with Melissa Reed, Laura Davis, all of a sudden you're the ones you see on T V every single week and the the like big players in Europe and then you kind of got got scared of playing and then I, I went lost my card and actually for me that was the best thing that could happen to me because through access to right. and winning those <clears> two <throat> tournaments I um I got confidence back in my game and I and and confidence in myself that I'm I am like I can play there and I think 
the same thing start or started on the major tour, and I got pretty confident with my with my swing and my changes, and I knew like if I if I get it like that stuff done, I can shoot low. So and then you you start seeing hitting right. close on the course, and then all you all of a sudden you get more confidence and confidence through the round, and then uh, then like obviously that helps you a lot. That's right, awesome. right, exactly. Um, Cindy, go ahead. You got a question for uh, Easy? So, who's your coach? Who do you work with on your swing? Um, it's Sean Holden. He is uh, with the Ledbetter Academy in Championsgate. Do you live in Florida? And they went or the summer or on the off? Um, I got three good friends down there I can I can stay with in uh, in Florida um for the off weeks but for because I'm still playing on a European tour I'm um my season starts or goes from like till December and then I'm taking like two two and a half months off and then maybe I'm four weeks in Florida to prepare and then the season over here starts again. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Wow. So you've obviously got a lot on your on your plate as well between playing here in the United States and then obviously uh wanting to continue to complete uh compete, excuse me, on the uh the European tour. Um what parts yeah. of your game now you you mentioned a moment ago, yeah, you mentioned a moment ago uh some areas uh Cindy asked that you were working on your pitching and so forth. Um what parts of your game give you the most confidence? What's your strongest parts of your game? Um my driver and my ball striking. Um, I mean, I, yeah. How far do you hit your driver on average? Um, two seventy. Is what the it, heck? Is that carry or is that with roll? That's roll. <laughs> That's roll. Yeah. <laughs> carry oh, yeah, okay. That would be a long way. How that, tall are you? That makes me feel a little. Um. Uh, I don't know it in foot. Um, one, uh, one seventy. So I think that's five, seven. Awesome. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's still pretty. Uh, that's still pretty impressive. Two seventy five with with some roll. I I don't know what the the young ladies are 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 doing there out in tour, Cindy, but they're starting to get longer, <laughs> longer all the time. Uh, on the golf course. Um, now, Easy, you obviously uh, are up uh, in Michigan. You're going to be playing this weekend in the Island uh, Resort Championship, um, again, on the Symmetra Tour. So you're just coming freshly off a win. So obviously, you know, the adrenaline's going and, and uh, everything's sort of pumped up a little bit uh, for this weekend. What are you going to do when, now that you're there? What are you going to do to prepare for this week? I think like the main like the main thing is to get back into the tour because and to like start or to do the same thing over and prepare this uh, week the same I did the last um, tournament because out here there are so many good girls and there's there are so many good players and I mean you you can't like slow down or anything in order to to get your card for LPGA. 
Right. Now, do you travel with anybody? Is there any family that travels, or you just travel uh, with some of the other girls on tour? Um, my mom is with me for um, the last two weeks, and this week she she came out for my birthday. It was like it was two weeks ago, and then we oh. did the three weeks together. It was really nice and really excited because I didn't didn't see any one of my family for quite a long time. And then uh, um, my brother is coming out sometimes and helping me cutting. And um, if not, I'm I'm with um, other European players and traveling traveling together. Right. Well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead if you got some questions. So, will you play? This tournament starts on Friday, yes? Yes. And will you be playing a practice round today? I will play uh, nine holes to, today, and then I'm in the program on Wednesday, and I'm probably going to play another nine holes on Thursday. Awesome. So, basically, you'll see the whole course twice, yes? Yes. Now, when will you be, or how long are you playing here before you go back to Europe? Um, I will be here till August, and then I'm going back straight to Scotland. I'm playing the Scottish Open, and then uh, um, I try to Monday qualify for the British and hope to get into the British, and then I will be back for a couple of days and then be back out here again. Awesome. Wow. Well, good luck. Quite, That's uh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so Easy, um, something that, that we started doing with some of the players that come on here, <coughs> pardon me, uh, to sort of wrap up the segment, is is there a tip? We have obviously a, a large female audience that tunes into the, to the Women of Golf show. So what would be a, a good tip that you would give some of maybe the amateur golfers out there that would really help them with their game? Um, uh, I don't know. Probably that, like many, many players already said that, but short game is everything like pitching and chipping and putting. And the, the more it's not all about putting, but um, the more you hit it closer to the pin, the more putts you will make. So, for like for pitching and all and chipping, is probably like the biggest part because this, um, the closer you hit, the easier the putt is obviously. So I would think that helps a lot for for scoring. Right. Well said. Um, and that's obviously an area that that you have to work on, even at the professional level. Um, uh, you know, I don't know a, a pro golfer that doesn't have to work on that area of their game. So it's it's even more important for some of our amateurs. And I'm sure you see a lot of um, a lot of that area on during the pro ams. You see a lot of amateur golfers really struggle with that area. Do you try to help them along a little bit uh, when you're playing in the pro ams? Um, yes, I do. I I always ask them if if they uh, want a tip or want to help out that they just can ask me if they have any questions about it. And then 
um, I see see what they're doing and try try to fix it um, or try to help them as much as I can. Um, obviously, I'm I'm more more a player than a teacher and don't know like this much about it, but um, I always try try to see um, how to help them. Well, it's always always good to give back. I think a little bit. Um, you know, to some of the, the people that support uh, the various tours and, and those that support of a lot course. of the players. So it's always very nice of, yeah, it's always very nice of, of yeah. uh, a lot of the, the players on, on all tours to be able to do that. And I think that's one of the fun parts of playing in a pro-am is, is knowing that you can, can maybe help somebody a little bit with their game. Um, uh, Cindy, unless you have any other final questions, I think we should let uh, Easy go so that she can uh, maybe get out and, and, and uh, play a few holes uh, to practice for this upcoming tournament. I have one more question. What helped you sure. learn that you, be, besides winning on the Access Tour, what really helped change your mind that you believe you belong with the best players in the world? Um, I think probably also um, to see players I grew up with and to see players that I, I compete with in junior golf being out there and and doing a good job and um, being up there um, helps help me a lot as well. Awesome. So if they can make it, I can make Fair. it. Right. Yeah. Very good. Great job, Mike. Well, I think good in addition to, to having a good golf game, yeah, yeah, I think uh, in in addition to having a, a good golf game. I think having a positive attitude uh, is, is certainly going to take you a long way. Uh, Easy, thank you very much for joining Cindy uh, Miller and I this morning on the Women of Golf Show. It's been a pleasure. Thank and, you so much. And uh, congratulations again on your uh, yeah congratulations on your win last week at the Forsyth Classic, and good luck this weekend at the Island Resort uh, Championship in uh, Harris, Michigan. So all the best to you, and uh, and keep playing hard, and and uh, good luck when you head back uh, overseas on the uh, European Tour as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You have a great week. All right. That was uh, our very special guest this morning, uh, Easy Gopsa from Munich, Germany, uh, recent winner on the Symmetra Tour uh, last week's uh, Forsyth Classic uh, in a sudden death uh, playoff against Gillian Hollis. And uh, she'll be heading out, uh, actually is this week, um, <clears throat> excuse me, playing at the Island Resort Championship in Harris, Michigan. All right, Cindy, I, I thought, uh, let me just, before we, we start uh, the, the next uh, segment here, I just wanted to uh, mention a couple things, just to remind everybody, first off, uh, to tune in each and every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes, uh, stitcher.com, and uh, tunein.com as well. Again, just type women of golf. Um, very just, uh, uh, Cindy, a very quick shout out. This might be something uh, that you might even be uh, interested in and maybe getting yourself a copy. Uh, last Thursday, I, uh, this past Thursday rather, I had a very special guest um, uh, who was an author and writer, uh, Chris Rodell, uh, who is a resident of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Uh, he came in and talked about a new book that was just released this year uh, called uh, Arnold Palmer Home Story, uh, Homespun Stories of the King. He uh, not only did he interview Arnold Palmer uh, many, many times over uh, his career, uh, but actually became friends with him 
so much so that he could pretty much pick up the phone and say, Mr. Palmer, you know, I'd love to sit down and chat with you again about whatever. Uh, and they were able to do that. And uh, it is a fantastic read. He talks about a lot of things, uh, not just the, the things that most people knew about Arnold Palmer, uh, but a lot of uh, interesting things about uh, his hometown, Latrobe, Pennsylvania, of course, which is where Arnold Palmer uh, came from, and just how much he was just a very down-to-earth uh, gentleman and just how much he was loved internationally as well as here in the United States. Some really great stories. He interviewed hundreds of, of residents of Latrobe, uh, Pennsylvania, about Mr. Palmer. Uh, some great, great stories. It's available at Amazon.com uh, in uh, soft cover and I believe hard cover as well. I'm not sure if there's an ebook available. Uh, or you can also go, they're stocking it now as we speak, at Barnes & Noble. So check your Barnes & Noble store if you're in there uh, or go to Amazon.com. And it's again called Arnold Palmer, Homespun Stories of the King. Uh, and it's uh, authored by, uh, written by Chris Rodell. And the forward, actually, Cindy, uh, was uh, put by Gary Player, who, of course, was a very uh, close friend and, and uh, confident of uh, Mr. Palmer. So it's a great read. Uh, definitely, if you get a chance, uh, maybe pick up a copy. It, it's well worth it. It's a very interesting uh, book. Um, so, Cindy, one of the things that I, I wanted to... Um, talk a little bit about with you this morning. I know that you do uh, so many great um, boot camps and and, uh, and different things with a lot of junior golfers out there. And I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, playing lessons. Um, I know that you do them, and uh, you believe in, in getting the folks out on the on the course and, and working through uh, some of the challenges that they face uh, out on the golf course. So I thought we would talk a little bit about that and to put a little bit of different spin is maybe focus on maybe some of the junior players. So I, I know that you do that, um, but when you typically do a playing lesson with some of your junior golfers, uh, do you try to cap the number of holes that you play, or what typically is uh, is the uh, format that you do? We typically do a couple hours, and I take them on okay. a short course, which is only three holes. There's a par yep. four. And two par threes. And so we play these two holes over and over, which may seem redundant, but I want them to get comfortable knowing how, what's the best play to play, best way to play the hole and what makes the most sense to right. them. And to become aware of yardages. So all the things that don't have to do with your golf swing and shot choice and club choice and course management so we do a couple hours we've been doing them every single friday up here in buffalo and um we typically only have three students and a pro so alan and i do them together so that each student right. you know has enough attention what about you what do you do um i don't typically do it with juniors but i do uh, obviously with, with a lot of my corporate types. And essentially, I do the same thing. Um, we, I try to limit it. You know, I, I, I've talked to others, and in fact, I've had some guests on the show recently uh, on, on uh, Golf Talk Live that we've talked about uh, clinics and playing lessons and things like that. And, you know, some of them might do a nine-hole or even some have gone up to an 18-hole uh, playing lesson. I try to stay away from that for a couple of reasons. It takes, obviously, a lot of time. Uh, it, it's a little bit more difficult doing, uh, 
even even the nine hole, it just takes a, a lot, and and I think people um, get just a little bit too, um, you know, kind of away from. It. I, I like to do what, you, what you're doing, three maybe four holes tops, and I might play a few of them over again. Um, and and I, I'm going to ask you a, a question uh, first, and then I'm going to answer it as well um, about preparation. Obviously, there, you know, my people warm up on the on the practice tee to, to just to get things loose and with some stretching and things like that. But do you do anything specific to prepare for what you're going to have that particular day uh, out on there? Is there anything special that you do to, to get them ready and warmed up for that or no? No, they eat some balls on the rings just to loosen up. I want them to do what right. they would do when they're playing normally. And, and a lot of times, most people don't take time to – warm up on the range they're hurrying from work and they're trying to rush to get there but um we warm right. up on the range and then we go tee off right um i pretty much do the same thing sometimes if if i know that we're going to be working on uh specific things um for instance uh when i'm out there and, and you may do uh, a lot of the same or something certainly similar I like to create different scenarios. I don't always just like to play the hole straight as they are. I mean, obviously we will do that as well, but I, a lot of times will specifically um, throw a little uh, monkey wrench, if you will, in there. And I will say, well, okay, you know, you've hit a bad tee shot here and you're over in this area here. Maybe there's a fairway bunker uh, or maybe there's uh, some deep, thick rough or some other uh, situation and I will purposely put them in that. And I, a lot of times what I will do on the range while we're hitting balls, um, obviously some students that I've worked with for a little while, I, I kind of know the pros and cons of their game. But if somebody that's fairly new that maybe has only had a lesson or two with me that I'm still trying to, to figure some things out about, um, I will try to find something that gives them the most anxiety or fear out in the golf course. Like, for instance, some people don't like – uh, you know, uh, greenside bunkers. They're just petrified. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar during that playing lesson we're going to be hitting some fair, or some uh, greenside bunker shots. So I like to put them in that because I want them to not be afraid. So um, those are some things that I will do when I take them out there, especially with my corporate types, is I like to put them in scenarios um, that they're going to be faced with um, out in the golf course. What about you? We, we do the same, and we also do a lot of, um, we'll do like a scramble. We'll bring the group over to a situation and say, okay, how are we going to get out of this? You know, uh, you know what, what's the right. options here? What shot choice do we have? What clubs should we use? What's the smartest play from this obstacle? So we do a lot of that just to help them understand what they need to do to get out of trouble. So I totally agree right. with you. You need to put them in the situation that they're going to have on the course. And that once they learn right. how to go through, you know, and make a decision, then they can commit to that decision and then, you know, stick to their plan. Right. And, and I think it's important, too, um, and I'm sure that you do something like this. Uh, again, it's a little bit different working with some of the junior golfers because they're still pretty new and, uh, you know, they can be a little bit excitable and you don't want to overwhelm them too much and, and get them turned off uh, from playing. So you've got to kind of, you know, be a little bit uh, less aggressive, if you will. 
Um, but something that I also do too is I want to get an idea right up front when we hit the very first hole. I want to understand what their game plan is going to be. If we're playing three holes, I want to know, okay, what's their game plan on this hole? What, what do they envision happening? What are they trying to make happen? Uh, and then we'll go from there. And I also want to know sort of a backup plan. If they don't hit that, that ideal tee shot out in the fairway, I want to know what they've thought about. Or if it's a hole that they know they, they're not going to be able to reach in two, uh, um, you know, I want them to have some strategy involved uh, in their thought process. So we'll talk about that a little bit before we actually uh, get out on the golf course. So they know ahead of time what holes they're playing. They know the yardages, and they know essentially where the trouble is in most cases, especially those that have played with me before. Um, so I try to give them a little bit um, of, uh, I guess, a way of, of putting together a game plan before we get out there uh, just so that they can get a sense and get a comfortable uh, comfortability, if you will, of what they're about to do. Uh, what about you? Anything like that as well? Well, I kind of ask them what they're looking for, and some people sign up, and they really – well, I'm hitting my driver pad, and so I try yeah, to explain to them that that's not the purpose of this playing lesson because hitting your driver better is a driving range situation, not a playing lesson situation. Right. Um, others will say, well, I need to learn how to chip and pitch better. I'm having trouble with putting, which that we can, you know, touch on and help them Work. with. But they, they, I make sure that they're very aware that this is not a fixture golf swing session. This is a how do I play golf. Right. You know, uh, and I agree, and, and I, I get a lot of the same dialogue uh, with with many of the, the, the types that I've worked with. You know, they'll come to me, very similar comments. You know, I'm, I'm struggling off the tee, and, and uh, you know, I'll, we'll get up to the first hole, and the very first thing they'll do is they'll pull out their driver. And I'll say to them, if you're struggling with your driver, why would you make that the first shot? Why not go to a club that you are comfortable hitting, whether it be a fairway wood or a hybrid club, and, and start the round. See, it, it, it's not just about sitting. I, I know you know this because you've done this for, for a long time, as have I. One of the biggest mistakes that I see, and, and again, with the juniors, it's a little bit different because more of them are, are just sort of starting out, so you can kind of mold them a little bit better. But for players that have been playing for 20 or 30 years, uh, they've sort of ingrained a lot of these bad habits. And one of the things that I try to do in a playing lesson is to break them of some of these bad habits. So, for instance, if they're coming out and they're not very strong driver of the ball, I want them to forget about trying to work with the driver in this particular playing lesson. Let's work on getting the ball in the fairway in good position. Let's worry about getting a good position, a good start to that playing lesson, than trying to get something and create further anxiety knowing that they're not comfortable with those shots and then what I want to do is once they've completed that and they've got the ball out in the fairway it may not be down as far as they'd like but it's in a good position now again more strategy comes in okay how can I make up for lost ground what can I do um, to be able to get my keep myself in play and not fall too far back and the reason why I do that is, like you said, I want them to learn how to play because it doesn't matter how well hit you hit the ball on the range. 
When you get on the golf course, it's how you put those shots together and how you, you score that's going to matter, not how well you hit the shot. So that's what I try to get them to do. Um, do, do you agree with that, or, or, or what are your thoughts? Absolutely, because, again, most people can't shoot 90. And I think right. their expectation and, is that they need to pound it down the middle, down the fairway with a driver, and then they hit it in the trees, and then they try to hit the hero shot, and then they hit a tree, and it bounces down, and then they make double or triple. When if they lower their expectations and try to play a little more intelligently, they can really learn to score better and lower the expectations, which makes it much, much easier. Right, Exactly. I have a, a friend of mine from South Carolina. Uh, he's a, a, a 30 plus year member of the PGA. Uh, his name is Clint Wright. He's been a guest on uh, Golf Talk Live many, many times over the years of doing the show. And he's uh, been on our, our Coach's Corner panel uh, for many times as well. He's a regular guest uh, every month. And he talks about one of the things that he really focuses on is the third shot uh, in golf which is something that a lot of people really don't think about. And the third shot, of course, he's talking about, in, in most cases, uh, uh, hitting the shot to the green. Uh, or when you're on the green, uh, it may be a, a, a lag putt, depending on, on the, the hole and, and the circumstances. And really, that's one of the scoring shots. Because if you think about this, in, in any case, um, even if you're a long hitter and you can get to the green on two, uh, if you're not accurate with your second shot, uh, or depending on the distance, you could be way, you could be 30 or 40 feet or even 50 feet to the left or right of the hole. Now you've got a lag putt. So that third shot is going to be critical in getting you, as, as um, Easy had said earlier in the segment um, on the show, you know, she talked about getting it closer to the hole to be able to make more putts. So he focuses really on the third shot, and it makes a lot of sense. I think he explains it better than I do, but um, I, I think you get the gist of it. Um, but it, it's really to get people to understand that you have to work with the game that you have at that time. When you get out on the golf course, you've got to forget about well, how well I'm, uh, you know, how do I hit this well and how do I hit that well. It's about working with what you've got at that particular moment. Then after the round or after the playing lesson, then you can go back to the practice tee and work on some of those areas that you struggled with. Um, but out on the golf course is not where you want to do that, and that's a big flaw, a big common thing that I see is that's what they seem to want to do is, well, let's work on this. And that's really not the place uh, to do it. We want to put it all together and give them the best opportunity to score uh, to, to keep uh, you know, those overall scores down. Um, something else, Cindy, and, I, and I'm sure you probably do this, and, and I'm going to let you start first with it, but um, what are some things that you try to watch for uh, while you're out there besides um, the ability to, to hit the shots properly and, and hit them, execute them well? Um, some things that I look for is nervousness, uh, indecision, um, you know, a, a sort of a lack of, of what to do. What are some things that you uh, try to make a mental note of as you're watching your players? You know what I, uh, amazes me is so many of my students walk up, they might not really even line up, and once they're over the ball, right. they never look to see where they're going. And then they hit right. it in the woods. And so I try right. to make them very aware that they're not even lining up to hit the shot. They're just stepping up yeah. and swinging. So it's things like that that they 
you know, again, no one's trying to mess up on purpose. We know that. But no. if, right. I think that's why they do the playing lesson. Show me what I don't do right and how can I improve. And, right. and to me, you know, indecision, not knowing how to plan a shot and not lining the shot up, not doing a pre-shot routine, you know, all that. Walk behind it. Let's line it up. Line up with the club face, not your shoulders. All those things, they're, they're like, oh, I didn't know. So it gives them a lot of things to work on once you're done. So they have homework to do that will help them shoot lower scores. Right, exactly. And that actually brings me to um, another question that uh, – well, actually, let me back up for a second. Um, do you keep track of their stats when they're out there in these playing – like, do you do you make a mental note or do you make a uh, even a written note of how many uh, fairways they hit, how many greens, and how many putts they made? Do you, do you keep stock of that or do you have them keep stock of that, uh, Cindy? Uh, when I'm out there with them, I ask them, you know, once we're done, how many fairways did you hit, how many greens? You really did pretty good because they're typically very judgmental. Uh, we did a playing lesson right. last week where one of the gentlemen said, you know, I'm putting terrible. He buried the first hole. He didn't three-putt the whole time we were together. And I said, you know, there's really nothing wrong with your putting. You know, you might think there is, but there isn't. And so I asked the kids, a lot of the juniors, you know, how many fairways, how many greens? Well, I don't know. My dad has that. Well, it's time for you to do that. You know, you got to be accountable right. and responsible because you can come back to me and say, oh, well, I did really well. Um, I had a, a young girl playing in a Hurricane Junior Tour event this past weekend. She had 46 putts. I mean, wow. that's ridiculous. That you know, it, what are you thinking? Yeah. So, you know, she's coming in this week, and I'm going to say, okay, well, you know, what's the issue? And her father said she was very tentative, and I was like, well, you can't play scared, you know, and you can't protect. Right. So, again, it's, there's another issue. It's not just her putting stroke. There's something else going on. So we're always seeking to find the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, and, and typically it's trust. Yeah, and, and this is why, you know, I mentioned, you know, I like to watch for things. I mean, obviously I expect any student is going to be a little bit nervous, you know, with, with me standing there and, and uh, you know, uh, sort of keeping an eye on, on what's going on. There's always going to be a little bit ner- – everybody's nervous. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, even some of the most accomplished players get nervous, and that's a good thing. You can, you can actually tap into that nervous energy a little bit. Um, but also apprehensive, apprehensiveness uh, or indecision uh, also creeps in. That's something I make for – for instance, you know, if you get somebody up there – and, you know, they're going back to their bag three or four times, picking a different club each time because they, they don't know what to do. And it's because they haven't really thought. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I always like about watching the, the, the pros, and I always tell people, if you're going to watch a, a golf tournament, don't just sit there and look at the technique and how they hit the ball. Watch about how they approach the ball, as you pointed out earlier, how they step up. What's their routine? And you will very seldomly see on uh, any of the, whether it be the PGA or LPGA events or Legends uh, events or, or what have you, will you ever see a player 
uh, go up there with indecision. In other words, they'll come up to the shot if they're out in the fairway, as an example. They'll talk about with their caddy. They'll get the information from their caddy. They'll process that information, and then they'll make a decision. They get up there. They execute. Very seldomly will you ever see them step back to the bag and change out clubs or change strategies. And the only few times that you will notice that, Cindy, uh, in most cases, is if there's um, uh, outside elements, like if the wind picks up, if it's gusting a little bit more, they might have to take more club. But once they do that, and this is something that I watch for with my players. I mean, obviously, I know they're not, uh, uh, they're not out there winning on the, on the PGA Tour every week, but I, I watch for their indecision and their, or their lack of decision-making on the golf course. If they don't know what to do and they haven't sort of formulated that game plan, those are things that I watch for. And then when we get back, and this is going to go into the final question that I've got for you, is sort of a, pro, uh, a post-playing lesson uh, review. What are some of the things that you discuss and talk about with them? And I know you've already alluded to this, but then also do you give them sort of a homework assignment for the next time they come out, the things that you saw that day in the playing lesson that maybe they need to work on and you want them to prepare for the next time? Well, we kind of touched on this, but I, I say, you know, this is what you need to do. I give them a sheet, so I pay attention to how far they're hitting the ball with certain clubs. Right. And we give them, you know, their yardages. This is what you're going to hit from this distance. So make sure yep. that you're aware. And then I help them understand what the wind's doing and their lie and the playable yardage. So mm-hmm. there's a big difference between raw yardage and playable yardage. And I make them very aware of that. Right. So that they can make better decisions on the course and how to play away. I, ca- I call it acknowledge stupid and play away from it, which means, you know, stupid would hit it in the water. Yes. Stupid would hit it in the bunker. You know, I'm not stupid. I'm going over here. So instead of saying to themselves, right. don't hit it in the water, which their brain doesn't hear, their brain hears hit it in the water, then they right. they know how to better prepare to hit the shot. So they have some, you know, tips and ideas to work on before they come back for their next session to make sure that they know, number one, how far they hit it, that they're going to line up, that they're going to commit to the shot and to the task at hand, and then prepare and produce the shot. Right. And, and I essentially do the same thing, um, you know, when working with my students is what I try to do um, on, you know, one of the holes. Like I said, we may play three holes and we may rotate around and, and play a couple of them again is I will give them certain information based on where we're at on the hole, much like you do. Um, but then what I will do is that maybe the next hole is I will get them to gather that information. Uh, on that particular hole. So I want them to not always rely on somebody else. I mean, I'll certainly help and guide them, especially if they haven't played, uh, you know, very much golf, if they're fairly new to the game uh, or maybe don't play as often, I'll help them out a little bit. But I also want them to think for themselves. I want them to say, okay, you know, if the the wind's blowing, you know, what do they perceive it to be? Is it, you know, five, 10 miles? Is it light breeze? Is it, you know, a gusty breeze? Um, And, you know, I want them to, when it comes to yardages, I want them to make sure they understand that if, if they're hitting their, as a, you know, for an argument's sake, if they're hitting their seven iron 150 yards, is that a carry distance or is that carry and, and you know, an average distance with some roll? 
Uh, obviously, conditions can, can vary that a little bit, but they need to know that because if they're, you know, if, if the flag is, is a, exactly 150 yards, um, a 7-iron might not necessarily be, if, if they're carrying it 150, a 7-iron might not be the best option because they're going to be landing, but if, if the ball, depending on the, uh, where it's located on the green, they can end up rolling over the green. And if there's bunkers or water hazard or something that's wrapped around it. So I want them to use um, the information that they gather as well uh, to be able to formulate a good game plan when they're out there. And I think that's uh, critical, and I think it's important for them to understand that because they're not always going to have somebody there to help them out on the golf course. Uh, so I try to do that as well. And, and uh, I, I want them to think. I want them to think when they're out there and not just, like you said, play stupid and there are, unfortunately, some that we get out there. Um, I, I hate to, to, to be critical, but, uh, you know, when you've got water all over the place and you're not good off the tee with your driver, um, you know, that's not the best option. And you, you need to think about that. And that's what, what I try to do, as I'm sure you do, with, with your, your playing lessons. Um, and you said, you know, about giving them homework. Uh, you know, I, I do the same thing too. I give them some assignments. I don't give, try to give them too much. Um, but the one thing that I emphasize a lot is, and, and, and I'm sure you do this, and again, it's a little bit harder with, with juniors because I know that they, they might have other things going on as well and, and you, you can't be too firm with them. But um, I want to make sure that the students that are coming for a playing lesson and, and if we've worked on some things and there's some things that need to be worked on, I want to make sure that they are going to work on those things when they leave. Um, they don't have to do it necessarily that day, but before they come back, I want to make sure they've worked on them because there's nothing. That's one of my pet peeves is to give them an assignment to work on and they come back for the next session, you know, whether it be a week or two weeks later and they haven't done anything. Um, what do you think about that? Well, they're only hurting themselves if that's the case. Right. And again, I, I like what you're saying about helping them learn how to make the decisions so that they can become self-sufficient because they can't always rely right. on someone else, whether it's mommy or daddy or you or me. I think the other thing is awareness right. of where is the pin on the green? Is the pin on the front? Is the pin in the middle? Or is the pin on the back? You know, and like you said, how far do you want to fly this ball? Right. And are you uphill, downhill? You know, is it playing yep. three or four yards more or three or four yards less? All that stuff. So it's a matter of becoming aware. And I don't know that people, there's a fine line between being aware and paying attention to all the issues and also maybe thinking too much. I have a tendency yes. of thinking too much, you know, and, and it short circuits me and I don't perform well. Sometimes, you know, depending on your behavior style, you can be a little bit too analytical, and it's only going to hurt you. Um, sometimes it's better not to think too much and just say, look, I'm just going for the middle of the green. And if I hit every shot in the middle of the green, it's going to be really hard to shoot over 80 unless I putt like I'm blind, you know? Right, right, exactly. Um, and you're right. I think, you know, this is where a, a lot of students fall into to, um, difficulty is they, I mean, they you have to be somewhat analytical when you're out there. I mean, golf is is a game of, of angles 
and and shapes, if you will, to a certain degree. And you've got to understand those angles, and you've got to understand how the ball is going to react. Um, you don't certainly have to be a rocket science uh, scientist, but you do have to understand, and you have to understand, you know. And this, Cindy, I, I've heard you mention this many times over the years on the show, is about understanding. Um, where the club face is in relation to the ball. Is it open? Is it closed? You know, is it square? Lining up is, is critical. And you're exactly right in your analogy earlier, um, how many students walk up and they're not even aiming where they want the ball to go. They're aiming some Lord knows where, and then they are shocked at the results that they get. And, you know, something else that you mentioned as well in, in relationship to that is a lack of a pre-shot routine. If you watch the professionals on tour, you don't necessarily have to mimic exactly what they're doing, but you will see that they all have a pre-shot routine, and it is for every single shot. We don't always get to see it sometimes because of uh, the camera work and so forth, but I can guarantee you, and Cindy, you know this from your own uh, career, you have to have a pre-shot routine, something that gets you into a rhythm and in preparation for each shot and when you don't do that that's when all of these other things start to happen and and I've actually seen people Cindy you may have noticed this as well um, where they'll start out maybe the first couple of holes with the routine and the first bad shot that happens or really bad shot or bad hole that happens they fall out of that routine and the rest of the round they're not even lining up or they're not even really paying attention because their game has now they've allowed it to become derailed they're not able to regroup. What do you think about that? <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> ah, you're so right. Yeah. But you, but you know, but you know what I'm talking about, Cindy. You know, and it happens to everybody to a certain degree. Obviously, those that are, you know, these people, and we're not trying to, you know, say that our amateur players need to be exactly as the tour players are. I mean, they don't have the the wherewithal to be able to be out there every single day like the tour players are. But there's a lot of great tips. Uh, it, you know, I always find it very interesting when I, you know, when I come into the, to a clubhouse or something and I'm talking with, uh, you know, just chatting with some people, and it's interesting what they notice watching the players and what I notice. And I guess maybe being a teacher, you look at different things or you look at, at a player a little bit differently maybe than, than some of the average uh, fans, uh, I don't know, maybe you, you don't feel the same way, but, um, you know, I watch how they carry themselves on the whole. I watch how they prepare themselves for each shot. And that, to me, tells a lot. I can almost tell, not certainly in every case, but whether a player starts getting out of rhythm on tour, you can almost predict what's going to happen with the shot because they're they're not in that rhythm oh, they've lost that rhythm it. and i've you seen can it. See it yep yeah yep and and it's amazing what what happens and this is something i, I know Cindy, you've talked about many years uh with with your play i know sometimes you've had some some struggles and, and things like that but then you know once you get yourself focused back on you're able to pick up and, and move on and 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 that's what you have to be able to do and that's one of the things that a lot of players uh, a lot of our amateur players struggle with, and that is what to do in a situation where you know all rails have come come off uh, the train or off the track, if you will. Um, how do you regroup? 
And that's something uh, I think, Cindy, we, I know we've talked a little bit before in the past, but might be uh, worth having a, a little more in-depth discussion sometime on another show. But, um, Cindy, I know we, we've got to head out. I know you've got some things to do, and I've got as well. So we've got to wrap this up. But we want to thank everybody for joining us this morning uh, on the Women of Golf Show, uh, that for tuning in. And we want to, uh, once again, thank our, our special guest, uh, uh, Easy Gobsa, uh, winner of this past weekend's Symmetra Tour event. Uh, the uh, Forsyth Classic, and uh, we want to also uh, thank Zach Sapanek from the Symmetra Tour for help uh, arranging to have some great players come on each and every week. We appreciate it very much. Um, and we want to, most importantly, want to thank all the listeners for faithfully tuning in each and every week here on the blogtalkradio.com network uh, to the Women of Golf Show. We enjoy bringing it to you. Uh, we hope that you, you learn uh, as much as we learn uh, putting this, this show together. And I hope that you'll continue to, to tune in each and every week. So on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning on the Women of Golf Show. We will see you next week right here uh, on the blogtalkradio.com network. Thanks, Cindy, and have a great weekend. You too, Ted. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.